Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. You can do it? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. You can make it? You going to be okay? Uh, you know, in general, no. Fair enough. Through this recording? Hopefully. Maybe. Just I, don't die in my house. I don't want any legal action against... I don't want to deal with that. I, I told Bob when I came over today that uh, I was going to die soon because classes just started again, and I'm taking multiple 500 levels because I, I think this is my last year, but me and Bob bo- both work third shift, so yeah. I don't get off to like 4, 4.30, and I have classes Monday through Friday, and every day I'm either waking up at... 8 or 9 a.m. and going till some days noon, other days 4, and on Tuesdays 7. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you're going to make it, man. I'm like, not. you don't sleep a lot as it is. No, I don't. Which is not healthy. Like, no. I don't sleep a lot as it is, not by choice, but because I have, like, yeah. It's not even insomnia. I guess technically it's insomnia. But, anyways, if, if the podcast stops for some reason, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess you know why. Um, yeah. You know. Aside from that, though, <sighs> it is going great. Yeah. Good for you, man. Played some Monster Hunter. Weather's <laughs> been nice. Weather's been horrible. Nice and cold. I work outside. Yeah. I got rained on. Dude, I can't imagine. I was coming out last night from the office, and I was like, I don't know how people out here do this. No, that was easy. Last night, it snowed for anyone who's, who's wondering what we're It was not. About. It was like hail. It was like snowy no, hail. No, it was nice. I love snow. No, so, I mean, it's not that I don't like snow. It's just like it would have sucked to have been out there. Nah, it was cool. I, I stood out in that for like an hour. Not by choice, but I was chilling. Because <laughs> I don't find snow very cold. Because it, it, generally speaking, when it's snowing... Um, and, it, like, it's cold enough for it to actually snow and, like, sleet. It's pretty dry, like, air-wise. And, generally speaking, if it's cold enough, the snow's not melting on you, and snow makes a worse, like, heat sink than water. So I don't get really cold. I don't know. I just, it was, it seemed treacherous when I was leaving work last night. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was treacherous. Like, I thought I was going to eat shit walking to my car. I watched someone pull out of the parking lot, and they did, like, a whole fishtail Oh, no, nah, see, almost like into a cop car, which was very funny. Oh, no. But anyways, uh, outside of our, our gripings about, you know, the stuff we have to do with our lives. You got anything you want to talk about? Oh, I have so much news, Ben. Oh, boy. No, I'm <laughs> Ben. There's good news in here, I promise. And I'll save it to near the end. It's it is fantastic news, not only for this podcast, because it'll make me it makes me happy, but just in general. OK. Uh, okay. We'll start with something cool. So, you know, we've talked about the blob before. Uh, yes, we have. There's, what, the 1980 version and then the 1950s original. There's another blob remake coming out. Uh, it's to be directed and written by David Bruckner, who worked on VHS, The Ritual, and The Night House. And he's... The Night House? Yeah. Okay. There's no release date, but there's, like, slating it to come out sometime within the next, like, two years, and it's supposed to pay homage to the original while keeping all of the crazy practical stuff from the 1980s one which i think is really cool that's super dope i'm really excited not that we've seen those films on the podcast i mean i have not i know on the podcast but. i know you have but i'm excited about that it's cool i i don't know if i'm excited really yeah so look 
The Blob is a fun movie, I think, because the concept is kind of stupid and shitty. (laughs) But, I mean, functionally speaking, it's kind of a hard movie concept. Like, it works as far as the original goes because it's a cheesy, like, science fiction horror movie. Yeah. You know, we were talking about uh, Attack of the Killer Wasps the other week. Oh, God. You know, it's that same vein of, like, Attack of the 50-Foot Women. We know the time period it came out of, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, the second movie, you know, the, the remake, takes the blob to the natural, like, horrific body horror conclusions that I think you can take it to. But I think the struggle with both of those films is the sheer fact that the blob is, if used well, functionally very intimidating and scary. Because it's an unkillable goo that destroys everything it touches. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's constantly growing. And that's really cool, but there's not a lot you can do story-wise with that. I guess that's fair. And so, like, I don't know how much you can do with, like, a movie version of that. Like, I think the 1980 version has a lot of worth as a remake because it takes it to, like, this new horrifying body horror uh, level that Mm -hmm. the original one didn't i think that's really cool but i'm not sure like what the new one will do and even if it tries to do with like the 1980s one did will it be able to do so as well fair basically i think it's one of those things where i'm hopeful as always yeah but i think it it could either be really really good or just kind of whatever and i i don't know if there's necessarily going to be an in-between right yeah no i understand that I'm just excited because it's tied to someone who has made some pretty popular films in recent years. Like, I've heard, I think I've, I've seen The Ritual. Okay, yeah. Which I like. I like That's that That's the Netflix one, right? Yes. That one's very good. Good movie. I like that one a lot. VHS. If we, ever, if we ever do Netflix movies. Is that, would that be a category? It could be. Like Netflix original? Yeah. I mean, there's tons of Netflix original horror stuff. Yeah. But The Ritual's really good. Yeah. Uh, but VHS is. I've heard it's good. Fine. Like, it's, people like it, you know? It's an anthology found footage movie, mm-hmm. which are both two very distinct genres that I really like because, well, they can be really, really bad. <laughs> they allow for a lot of creativity, and I, I think that's great. And you can get some really, really good, unique stuff out of them. But when you combine both of them together, I think it tends to be almost too gimmicky. Really? I mean, nothing against that. Like, you can make a film that works. And the the original VHS uh, movie, I think, works pretty well. But I do think it can be a bit much, mm-hmm. you know? Because basically it's like, oh, here's a compilation of found footage short films. I guess my thing is I'm excited about it because it's being directed and written by someone who is experienced. And I'm hoping that that experience leads to a good product. And I'm yeah. excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I want it to be good, so I'm hopeful. I, I'm not sure how well VHS will translate over. Or The Ritual. But or like, The Ritual, yeah. Both of those are well-done movies. I, I don't know much about The Night House. Yeah, I've, I've never seen that. It was just one of like the mo- more popular things he's directed, so I wrote it down. I don't know anything about that film. Anyways, uh, what else? Okay, I'm going to... Sh- no, I'm not going to skip this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the one that's most exciting for last. All right, I guess. Ben, it is, it is so relevant to the podcast, you have no fucking idea. Troma, this is Troma news, which is why I'm so excited about this one. Oh, dad, Bob's dad. Yeah. Troma announced that they're doing 4K remasters of their older catalog coming on February 15th and every month after February for the rest of the year. 
they're going to re-release an old trauma film in 4K on their trauma streaming service. So for just the movies they're doing, Toxic Avengers, one of them. I did see that. Rabid Grannies, uh-huh. Blood Sucking Freaks. Okay. And most notably for the podcast, Mother's Day. That's a movie. Super exciting. Uh, that is a movie. I, that episode probably isn't know. great because it was a okay film, but we did watch it on the podcast. It was also an early episode. Yeah, early, bro. We did that. In well, May. not by time, by movie count. Oh yeah, it's been a while since we've done that. But I think that's super cool. I'm excited they're doing 4K remasters of a bunch of their older films because I love I love trauma films. No, that is exciting, especially because let's be honest here. Troma is like a B-movie studio mm-hmm. at their best, like when they're producing stuff, but they were also a distributor, so they got a bunch of like stuff from other people that they were like, hey, we'll distribute for you, which, by the way, super cool of them to do, because they'll oh, pick up yeah. some really, really shitty films. I've heard a couple of stories where people will make like films for fun, and Troma will be like, yeah, of course we'll distribute this for you. <laughs> Sometimes there's some stuff they won't distribute, and that tells you how shit your yeah. movie is. I'm sorry. What movie is it? Like Killer Llamas? Oh, from outer space. I know what you're talking. about. I don't know about. what the whole name of that, the title of that movie is. It yeah. might just be Killer Llamas or something. I they heard couldn't about get Troma to distribute it, yeah. and that tells you a lot. No offense to that movie, but I like, mean, they have a fucking film called Rabid Grannies and Blood Sucking Freaks. Yeah, come on. They also have Killer Condoms. Killer Condoms. Wait, that's not Troma, is it? Uh, I believe it's Troma distributed. Is it? I know that. Uh, well, I think it's one of those things where it was it's a German film, so I don't think they made it, but then I think they distributed it. I mean, they distribute so many movies. Um, anyways, I think the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of the older trauma films, especially, and you know, obviously, like, the ones that are from out of the studio, are low quality. Yeah. Especially because they're really old, mm-hmm. and so it'll be nice to see them, like, revamped in a higher quality. Yeah, no, that'll be really sick. I'm really excited about that. Especially Toxic Avenger. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the epitome of trauma films. Mm-hmm. It's both really, really fun, but it, it encapsulates what trauma is more than most things. Yeah. There's just something about trauma films that they have such a B-movie quality, and I'm so excited to see that put into 4K. <laughs> like, let me see just every, like, crazy ridiculous detail put into all this bullshit for these B-movies. You know what, what I'm I mean? hearing is you want to see the most racist scene ever in 4K. Yes, which Toxic Avenger has. Maybe not actually, but it is... It's very racist. <sighs> yeah, probably not actually, but... Next thing, 28 Days Later is receiving another sequel called 28 Years Later, and it's to be directed and written by Danny Boyle and Alex Garland, the original duo from the first film, and it's the start of a new trilogy, allegedly. That's what they want it to be. Okay. I mean, it's cool it's coming back. Yeah, I'm excited about it. it. It's popular film. Yeah. It's interesting that it skipped 28 months later. Yeah. Which means they threw out, you know, the idea for that and are going further in the timeline. It does worry me what they're going to do for the sequel. Because if they're keeping up the naming scheme, it's going to be, what, like 28 <laughs> decades later? I, le- I guess. 280 I years I, it's funny. I'm not sure, like, what's going to be around to do, like, for a film like that. I don't know. What do you do after a year? I have no idea, honestly. Like, <laughs> 28 centuries later. Is there a word for two years? No, I'm just dumb, dumb. I don't know. Maybe. Bicentennial is, like, the two-year anniversary, right? Yeah. Bicentennial. No. That's no, it's stupid. not. Right? Is it not? I don't remember. 
Well, isn't a centennial 100? Yeah, bicentennial is 200. It's by something. I don't know. But the reason I bring it up is 28 Days Later is a very popular film. People are excited about it. Or, like, people are excited about this. Re- it's not a remake. People are interested. Whether or not they're excited is a, a secondary thing. That's fair. And the reason I bring it up is because I'm pretty sure you mentioned it. The movie 28 Weeks Later only has one of these two people attached to it. Daniel Boyle and Alex Garland. And then um, this new movie it has both of them coming back to work together for another film. Yeah. I mean, I'm impartial. The original movie's good. The second movie's fine. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I'm not, like, super into it. Really? 28 Days Later has, like, Miley's favorite type of zombie, Mm. just objectively. I think there's much cooler versions. I'm assuming you don't know what type, right? No. I don't Um, know shit about this movie. You know the zombie types at this point, so I'm not going to tell you more than that. But it's a good movie, but eh. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some people have some people on the internet have spouted that it is the best zombie movie ever. Some people are wrong. Some people are allowed to be wrong. That's acceptable. Bob's wrong a lot. I'm not wrong a lot. I'm wrong sometimes. In mild cases, Benjamin. Next thing, I'm going to skip the exciting one. You don't have to tell me you're skipping it. You just no. But I'm trying to build hype, Benjamin. I'm trying to build excitement for this exciting news. Okay. At least it's exciting to me. Sure it is. Out of spite and hatred. The Bride, a Bride of Frankenstein, ad- Franken- Frankenstein. Frankenstein adaptation, because it's not a remake. I looked it up. It's not a remake. It's not a sequel. It is a adaptation or version of the story, is set to begin production soon. It's going to be directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, with Penelope Cruz set to be the bride, Christian Bale as the monster, and Peter Sarsgaard as the detective. The reason I bring this up is because, as of recording this two weeks ago, we watched Frankenstein for the first time. And this has some pretty big name people tied to it. I mean, it's motherfucking Batman as the monster. Yeah, best modern Batman. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. Don't know if he's the best overall. He might be. I, I, that's a harder question because, like... Look, the Dark Knight trilogy is so good. Oh, it's it's really, really good. Um, But there's also the Tim Burton Batman movies, which are very, very different, but are aesthetically, I think, the closest live-action movies to the comics. Hmm. both because they're, like, goofy and dark, and also they got Danny DeVito as the Penguin. <laughs> he looks so I know you haven't seen though. those movies in a while. Uh, I haven't seen them since I was a kid. Go rewatch them, especially because Danny DeVito as the Penguin is horrific. Nice. Grotesque. He, he looks grotesque in the best way possible. And then, you know, there's the OG Batman, Adam Wee. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> No, but uh, Adam West is a character, and you know those those really old Batman's are uh, those are movies, those are TV show. But the old Batman's super goofy and fun. I mean, it invented shark repellent. God, I love shark repellent. It's so fucking funny. Oh my god, have you seen the original clip with shark repellent? No. There's a Batman is hanging from a helicopter with a shark nomin on him, <laughs> and he pulls out his shark repellent and like sprays it, and it falls like. 30 feet into the water. I think it explodes. <laughs> That's so Because it's a very obviously like rubber stupid. shark. Anyways, those are, the, those are the good Batmans. There's only the yeah. three. Not mentioning any other Batmans here. But they're all like different versions of the character that are both good in their own right. So like, well, objectively, I think out of all of those, all that media, The Dark Knight's probably the best movie. Whether or not it's the best Batman film. Or has the best Batman depends on your preferred interpretation. I guess the Dark Knight's just objectively 
a very good film that just happens to be a superhero movie. Okay. Back to Frankenstein talk, moving away from Batman. I'm excited for this because there's a bunch of other Frankenstein media coming out. Like there's, there's the Guillermo del Toro Frankenstein movie that's coming out hopefully soon. I know they've been working on it for a while. Who knows? I know they just recast some people in it. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, there's the there's actually another Frankenstein movie that I saw a trailer for. There's the one with, uh, I forget if it's Zach or Cody from The Sweet Life, Zach and Yes, Cody. that's what I'm talking about. There's that one coming out, which I think is Frankenstein, but it's a girl? So the version of Frankenstein, not the monster, but like the, you know, Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Is a teenage girl. Yeah. And she makes a boy. Yeah, and I think, like, they're in love or something. I mean, it's basically its own take on Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. You know. But there's just a lot of Frankenstein stuff coming out, and... I mean, I think it's more so you're just noticing it. Yeah, because we just watched it. Frankenstein is one of the most popular, like, things to remake, because it's such a good jumping-off point, Mm -hmm. plus the branding of Frankenstein to draw attention. So, but also there's, like, hella, like, famous people tied to this film. Like I said, Christian Bale, Batman. He's the monster, which I'm excited about because I like Christian Bale as an actor. I think he does a lot of really good stuff. Can we have a, an honest conversation really quick? Yeah. Do you think Batman's a furry? We're not having this conversation <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> we can have this conversation anywhere else, not on the podcast. He runs around dressed as a bat. Stop. In a bat suit. Stop. Stop it. Like I, I'm moving on now. I don't think he's into it. I'm just more asking, do you think that makes him qualified as one? No. No? No. Okay. Anyway, that's fair. The news I'm excited about. I mean, it's not technically his job, though. Like, I wouldn't consider... It's definitely his job. What do you mean? No, he doesn't make money from it. He does it as a hobby. Crime fighting's a hobby for him. Crime fighting's a hobby. (laughs) Shut (laughs) up. Beating up people's his hobby. No, because, like, I wouldn't consider the person in the Mickey Mouse suit at Disney to be a furry. Even though they... Because they dress up as a mouse for their job. Not for pleasure. But Batman dresses up as a bat. Can we stop this? Well, I guess it's not like fully a bat. It's more of like a Batman suit. So if anything, it's it's something else. Because it's not like a full bat suit. It's like a Batman suit. Because it's got the nipples. Stop. Not the <laughs> nipples. The bat nipples. Okay. <laughs> Jesus oh Christ. God. I'm trying to move on, Benjamin. The news I'm excited about. Not because I hate, look. I don't like to be negative on the podcast, but was this was the news you're excited about. Yes, go ahead. I'm excited about this one mostly because we've shit on this guy before on the podcast and been mad about him saying things on the internet. I thought you had another thing, but go ahead. No, I thought you just had more news. Okay, go 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 go. The Exorcist Deceiver, which is slated to be the re not the remake, the sequel to The Exorcist Believer, which is the Exorcist film that just came out recently has been removed from the release calendar. The original release was set for April 18th, 2025. It has been canceled due to David Gordon Green's exit as director due to scheduling. Thank okay. God. You know, that's interesting, Bob, but you got me actually hyped about like some interesting news. This was not it. This was not the, the cool news I thought it would be. Why not? I, I mean, it's kind of interesting, but like... I just, I just thought it was relevant I just because... don't care at all about these Exorcist movies. Well, this guy, we did, like, a whole rant on the podcast no, about this man. You did a whole rant on the podcast about I this I said man. it was exciting news for me. I never said it was exciting for you. No, you said it was exciting for the podcast. It is. You lied to me. I didn't lie. lie I just me. overhyped it a little bit. Like, 
Bruce Wayne lying about not being Batman. But he exited as director. They're trying to find a new one. But for now, it's not scheduled to be released until they find someone to replace him. Thank God, because I have heard bad things about the new one. And I would be unexcited about a sequel to that. Are you excited to watch all the Exorcist sequels and the remake? No. Because we got to do it eventually. No, we don't. Yes, we do. See, this is this is my leprechaun. You always complain anytime I bring up us watching the rest of the leprechaun films and like get mad. This is my thing where I just don't want to do it. Like because, I just don't want to do it. Yeah, but mine's valid. I Why know, is mine not valid? I know at least some of those Exorcist films will be, at the very minimum, at least an interesting watch. I cannot say the same thing about the Exorcist franchise. And when even you watched that movie and after the fact went, okay, it wasn't great. <laughs> it, it didn't make me want to blow my brains out, but it wasn't good. And I say that's the best movie by far in the franchise. Well, that's not true. It might be Leprechaun in the Hood. But if a movie named Leprechaun in the Hood is the best film in a franchise, there's some issues. Yeah. Okay. I'm out of news, Ben. All right. Well, you got to actually choose what we're watching today. Yeah, the podcast part of the podcast. Yeah. I. You asked me this after we finished recording last week. Do I want to finish Witches this week? We're like, bitches. How many times are we going to make that joke? <laughs> well, I was trying to make it every every witch episode. Yeah. So you just got it in just in case I choose it now. Yeah. Okay. I don't think you're going to. I just felt like making it because it's kind of funny to me that I've made it so many times. No. I've I've had a really good time in that category this season. Right. Which is why you don't want to knock it out now. I kind of want to save it for last. All right. I'm not choosing Universal Monster Films. Are you sure? Yeah. I'd appreciate a shorter film. <laughs> That's tired. not a spoiler. Just the Universal Monster Films are just they're short because they're old. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to watch them because Frankenstein was good, but I'm not really in that kind of mood today. But think about what's left in the Universal Monsters. See, it could be Wolfman. And that's exciting. I Actually, what do you think's in the last two spots? Uh, We got to watch Creature, right? Oh, but Dracula. You mean Creature from the Black Lagoon? Oh, in The Mummy. Yeah, there's a lot. Sheesh. Yeah. It's probably Dracula and The Mummy. My my money's on that. Even though I really want to watch Wolfman. That's just like a personal choice because I think it looks cool. That's um, fair. You know the Wolfman's much newer? I didn't know that. It's about in like the 40s. Damn. Yeah. That's cool. I'm choosing Catholic movies. Catholicism. Catholicism. The scariest thing I can think of. <laughs> that was my joke for the last season. I'm choosing that. Hopefully I won't be as pant-shittingly scared this time we will see benjamin what spots do i have all right so last time you chose spot two last time the first week of this season <laughs> yeah you chose spot two that means by process of elimination i know this is complex math for you you struggle <laughs> with basic up. addition and subtraction no i don't you have two options left okay you have spot one and spot three three Three? Three, fuck it, we ball. We ball? Are you sure you want a ball with three? <laughs> yeah, I got Are you I, sure? <laughs> Are you sure you want these balls? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Slow down. I'm choosing three. <laughs> okay. Uh, today, we're watching The Omen. Oh, my God. Didn't we talk about this last week? Yes. And God I was, damn it. I was... I don't know if you remember last week when you went, I'm choosing witches, and I went, Bob, are you sure? Because a part oh of me was like, I, I want him to hopefully just choose it right and we can get boom. The, omen, the week we talk about the omen. It'd be very funny. That would be really funny. 
One could say it could be an omen. I guess this is more of an omen because we forewarned it last year. Yeah, episode. we did. We give you a whole week's warning in advance. Not that you know. Yeah. Motherfucker. I, with Bob's luck, though. God damn it. I think on that episode, you went, we should watch that soon. I went, yeah, I guess we'll watch it eventually. That's what, yeah, <laughs> that's what you said. <laughs> You're like, yeah, maybe some season in the future. You fucker. I was like, maybe we'll do uh, Antichrist movies at some point. And I was like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I tried to steer you away from it being on this season. Fuck. I think I succeeded. You did. I didn't expect to see this here. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited about I mean, this one. To be honest, though, I kind of put cat catholic movies on the board because i was like you know antichrist movies catholic movies kind of the same thing kind of because most most antichrist movies are just catholic by yeah default you don't really hear about the protestant <laughs> antichrist, antichrist. <films>. yeah <laughs> or the mormon antichrist not the mormon <laughs> antichrist oh my god yeah description hello damien oh yes uh it's an hour and 51 minutes long God damn. So I kind of would have preferred the Universal Monster movie here because I'm tired. I want to go home and play Monster Hunter and not watch a two-hour movie. It's going to be a slog, Benjamin, but I'm sure it'll be worth it. At least we're not watching it like <laughs> after work again. Oh, my God. Those were the worst. Those made me very upset because of how tired I was. Mm-hmm. Rated R. Okay. Review scores. You know these are going to be good. Yeah, I've Obviously, heard this movie's it's great. The Omen. Uh, it's got a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Tomato meter gave it 84%. Hell yeah. And it has an audience score of 80%. Let's go. For wins, it has five wins and nine nominations. Damn! And I'm going to mention this specifically. It has a 1977 Oscar nominee for Best Music. Uh, it's an original song by Jerry Goldsmith. Hmm. And an Oscar win for Best uh, Music of the same year. It goes to Best Original Score. For Jerry Goldsmith. Fuck yeah. So the music in this is really good, if you couldn't tell. That's exciting. Uh, notable actors. There's Harvey Stevens as Damien. Uh, he played tabloid reporter number three in The Omen, the 2006 uh, remake. Oh, okay. Gregory Peck as Robert Thorne. He played Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. I assume you haven't seen To Kill a Mockingbird. No, but I read it. Okay, you should go watch the movie. Is it's, it good? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's one of those like really, really famous black and white films that like mm-hmm. everyone's supposed to watch. I read the book in middle school. Yeah, I mean, movie's also really good, and it's much more approachable because you don't have to read. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Lee Remick as Catherine Thorne. She played Laura Mannion in Anatomy of a Murder. David Warner as Keith Jenning. He played Chancellor Gorkin in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Are you struggling there? Trying to think if I know who that is. David Warner? Yeah. Uh, I think so. He was in a movie we watched. You know which one? No. Do you want me to show you a picture of him and then you can figure it out? <laughs> it's not gonna work. It should work. I'm very bad at remembering things like that. You don't remember his face? Rarely do I. Oh. No, he looks familiar, but I don't remember what he was in. You don't remember what he was in? No. You love this movie. A lot. Uh let's let me put it this way. His wife might have needed some mental help, but instead of helping her, he showed her off at church services and made his daughter really uncomfortable. Oh, my God. He's the reverend from Ice Cream Man. Oh, my God. He's an Ice Cream Man. Yeah. He's done a lot of Holy stuff. Holy shit. Uh, like, for acting credits, he has 228 on IMDb. Jesus Christ. 
He's done a lot of shit. And a lot of stuff. And a lot of stuff you'd know, honestly. Hmm. But yeah, he passed away uh, 2022. Damn. I didn't know that. He was in his 80s, though. So. Yeah. Anyways, that's David Warner. Then there's Billy Whitelaw as Mrs. Baylock. Uh, she played Joyce Cooper in Hot Fuzz. I've never seen that movie. Really? I've heard it's really good. It is. Well, never seen the it. whole trilogy. Yeah. The I don't know what it's called. It's an ice cream. Is it Trinello? Cornello. No, is it Cornello? Is it Cornello? Now, Jesus Christ. I've seen the other two, though. Cornetto. Mm. It's the Cornetto trilogy. It's these little ice creams mm. that are in all of them. Uh, yeah, they're really great. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is fantastic. I love Sean Penn. Well, I think the best one, I don't know. Best one might be Hot Fuzz. But then yeah. again, I've seen Hot Fuzz so much where I'm like, uh, you know what I mean? Shaun of the Dead's really good. Shaun of the Dead is so funny. We could totally watch it for the podcast. Oh, yeah. Patrick Troughton as Father Brennan. He played Phineas in Jason and the Argonauts. Martin Benson as Father Spoleto. Uh, he played Solo in Goldfinger. Not Goldmember. Goldfinger. James Bond. Never not seen Austin Powers. Oh. Nah. I've Gold. seen the Austin Powers one. That's Goldmember. That's Goldmember. That's why I had to specify. Never seen James Bond. Any of them? Nope. Never seen one. None of them. None. Oof, boy. That's that's <laughs> something. Can't believe you haven't seen even, like, one. Nope. Because there are so many. Never seen them. Never. You should go watch them. I mean, yeah, sure. Especially because uh, your main man, I shot him six times, is in a bunch of them. Oh, it's true. Yeah. That might that He's might motivate me to actually watch those films. Literally, like, the most famous Bond villain of all time. That's pretty based. You know the classic meme where it's the supervillain with a white cat? Yeah. Who do you think made that? That's him? Yeah. That's awesome. Robert Wrighty as Monk. He played Sagliato in Hannibal. Tommy Dugan as Priest. Uh, he played the diner owner in uh, Superman 2. Never seen from it. 1980. No fucking shit you haven't seen it, Bob. You haven't seen any of the Superman movies. Yep. You're right. You're so right, Ben. You're uncultured swine. I can't believe you're going to say that about the Superman thing, but not the 007 thing. Not the James Bond, but the Superman thing. Come on. Yeah, but like... In the modern world, it is less common to see someone who hasn't seen, like, one of the famous superhero movies than it is, like, James Bond. But James Bond feels more culturally relevant? Like, if this was 20 years ago and you hadn't seen a James Bond film at your age, I'd be like, Bob, what are you doing? But at this point, superhero stuff is a lot more popular than spy stuff. I guess. And especially since a lot of the DC movies aren't good. Oh, a lot of them it suck. It would make sense for you to go, wow, Superman sucked. I'm going to go watch the original Superman that's supposed to be good. Nah. You know, I know you wouldn't do that because <laughs> you suck, but like, whatever. John Stride as the psychiatrist. He played Hughes in Juggernaut. Anthony Nichols as Dr. Becker. Uh, he played the minister in the Battle of Britain. Holly Palance as Nanny. Uh, she was Ellie Dindy in the best of times. And then finally, Roy Boyd as reporter. He was Brom in The Wicker Man. Oh, we haven't seen that yet. Nope. That's it's apparently a good movie. Allegedly. It's a great movie. I'll tell you that. The remake? Not so much. Yeah, I've heard the remake's bad. It's got a good meme in it, though. Oh, it does have a good meme. You're right. Bees! <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But as always, The Wicker Man has Christopher Lee in it, which yeah. I don't think I've talked about it yet on this podcast, but I fucking love Christopher Lee. He's a have he's you, a wild individual. Have you ever read about his life? Yeah, no, he's fucking crazy. It's insane. Yeah. My favorite behind-the-scenes clip of all time, it's not even a clip, it's, it's people discussing this fact is, you've seen Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. All of them? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know his character in uh, Lord of the Rings. It's um, Saruman. Is it Saruman? I I think so, right? No, I'm almost positive. I, I always want to. I always get confused between Saruman and Sauron because their names sound so fucking similar. But I think it's Saruman. I think you're right. Spoilers here for whatever Lord of the Rings movie this is. I forget which one. Saruman dies at one point. Yeah. Right. Uh, he gets stabbed in the back. Right. Mm-hmm. And. When this happened in the movie, you know, the director was directing, and he was like, all right, when you get stabbed, I want you to, like, scream or whatever. And Christopher Lee comes up. He's like, no, that's not the sound a man makes when you stab him in the back. This is the sound a man makes when you stab him in the back. And then proceeded to, like, pantomime what happened because he was special forces in the army and has stabbed people in the back in real (laughs) Yeah. And go watch it if you have the time because you can tell – even a while after the fact as the director talks about this, that it was a very uncomfortable moment for him as he had this realization of, oh, I was acting and, like, enjoying a fantasy about a character dying, and now I'm having to, like, put that against real information about people dying. Anyways. Man's a maniac. Cool dude. He made a multiple heavy metal albums, if you're unaware. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I forgot. And got a top, like, hit for one of them in his 80s. Yeah. He's also in just, like, so much good shit. Oh, yeah. He's he's Dracula. He is Dracula. Not the OG Dracula. But he does. That's Bela Lugosi. Portray Dracula. Yeah, he's one of the, the best Draculas, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, moving on. Director's uh, Richard Donner. Uh, he also directed a little gem. You've never seen it, Bob, because you're uncultured swine. But it's Superman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> From 1978. Jesus Christ. Which is... Absolutely wild. This man went from the omen to Superman two years later. That is wild. What a leap. I know. Uh, writer's David Seltzer. Uh, he also wrote Shining Through. Budgets estimated at $2.8 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, when did this come out? 1976? That is so much money. But it's not that insane, all things considered. With that being said, the box office is insane. It made sixty million. Oh my well, god! Sixty point nine million, so almost sixty-one, which is thirty times its budget. That's roundabout. crazy. Holy well, actually, shit. it's about twenty times because yeah. two point eight. Country of origin, both the United States and United Kingdom. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. First time we've come together since uh, eighteen twelve. <laughs> the quote-unquote war. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Of eighteen twelve. It's also known as The Antichrist. Okay. That was a working title. That makes sense. And The Birthmark. That one also makes sense. Yeah. Tagline, you have been warned. If something frightening happens to you today, think about it. It may be The Omen. That's not bad. Because they put it over and then The Omen. But Yeah, yeah, okay. I can deal with that. But you don't have much, like a lot of facts here, but what you should know is that this film sparked a franchise. Yeah. I just like The Exorcist because, you know, similar time period. The franchise consists of six films. Damn, there's a lot more than I thought. A pilot episode for a failed TV show. Holy shit. And an actual TV show. So, And then last week we talked about they're making another one. It's a prequel to the first one. 
oh, yeah, I guess we did talk about that. And I was like, how the fuck are they going to do that? Yeah, we'll see. You'll, you'll also see how the fuck they're going to do that. With that being said, I don't have any other facts except for a little cool thing, a cool little blurb. There's a cool documentary on Shudder called oh. uh, Cursed Films. Oh. And this movie features on that documentary. Oh. oh. It's a documentary series. So, yeah. like, each episode's an hour long. This is one of them. Really, really, really cool series if you want to go watch it. I've only seen the first season of Cursed Films, but I really enjoyed myself. It's a little bit uh, somber, though, sometimes. Yeah, because bad things happened. Yeah, they're kind of depressing sometimes. But on the flip side, it's very interesting, especially because a lot of the point of that uh, show is bad things happen sometimes, but that doesn't mean it's a curse. (laughs) What films are on that first season? The Exorcist is episode one. That makes sense. That movie was scuffed. Then The Omen is episode two. Then the last three episodes are uh, Poltergeist. Oh, I want to watch it so bad. The Crow. I I don't know what that is. You don't know The Crow? No. Uh, It's a comic, and then they got made into a movie. Hmm. Do you know why it's famous? No. And why it's on this cursed documentary? Mm -mm. Do you want me to tell you? I mean, if you want. It's really famous, so I might as well. Uh, The main actor... I forget his name. Let me, let me check really quick. He's the son of Bruce Lee. Oh. Uh, Brandon Lee. He died on set. Oh, that sucks. Uh, it's the film that really popularized this uh, famously, popularized the wrong word, is made this event very famous, is basically they were using guns mm-hmm. on set, and they didn't clear the chamber of a dummy round. And so when they were firing blanks, the bullet, the slug flew out, and it killed him. Wait, so they were actually pointing those at people? Of course they were. What do you mean? No, you're not supposed to do that. Not supposed to do what? Even if you're firing blanks, you should never actually point it at people. No, you do. Stupid. No, it's not. So, look, at the end of the day, guns are really dangerous, right? Yeah. That's a that's a 100% fact. Everyone knows. And generally speaking, with guns, you should never point a gun at another person ever. You should always treat a gun like it's loaded. That is... Something that I think we can generally agree on, right? Yeah. But sometimes when you're doing film for, like, how shots have to work, you kind of have to bend the rules there. Which is why you get someone who is, like, specifically trained and in the union for, like, gun safety, right? When you don't do that, you tend to have accidents. I I believe the crow didn't do that, and that's why it ended up having this accident. But the people who are trained, like, with firearms... Are, are are really really careful. No, I know, but my thing is, when I did theater, this is the first one of the first things we learned because we had a gun on set, and of course it didn't have anything in it, and it didn't have blanks in it or anything. But even if it has blanks, you're not supposed to point it at people and shoot because sometimes shrapnel from the blank can get caught in the barrel and fly out and hit people and kill them. You're just not supposed to do it because it's stupid and dangerous. Yeah, well, you have to do it in film sometimes. So that's why they have someone who's like their only job is to make sure yeah what you just described doesn't happen because that's so it's not shrapnel from the the blank you have to worry about like a blank can kill you if you like press a, a gun against well, your head and pull the trigger yeah but it it cannot kill you from far away but yeah stuff will get lodged in the chamber yeah stuff will get stuck in the barrel and in fact that that's what happened with mm-hmm. the crow uh, if you're curious uh, there's different types of rounds they use on set there's some that are like dummy rounds that don't have any gunpowder in them but they will have a blasting cap so while they won't fire a bullet out if you accidentally pull the trigger there's enough powder to send the bullet 
you know, the slug into the barrel. And so if you forget to clear the round before you put mm. blanks in, there's actual powder in a blank, but there's no slug. But it can fire the slug out of the the barrel. And it comes out with a good amount of force, like an, enough to go into a person and kill you. And um, for the crow specifically, it was, it was very sad. Because one of the actors was in the scene supposed to shoot oh, Brandon Lee's God. character and ended up killing him. That's... Which I Ugh. I can't imagine killing someone. It's no, another thing yeah. to be like, I'm working with you. We're assumedly on pretty good terms. And I'm doing my job. And my job accidentally, like, kills you. No, yeah. God, that fucking sucks. So that's that's the fourth episode. And then the last one's The Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh! What I'm going to recommend for anyone who's interested in watching cursed films, especially the first season, look up why those films are cursed. I just I told you the crow one because that that event's very very famous, mm-hmm. especially because we recently had a similar situation with um oh yeah um oh my god that film with uh what's his name I know what you're talking from about. Thirty Rock yep I know that exactly what you're it. talking about but I can't remember his we name. had a very similar situation where they didn't have the proper like people on set which is ridiculous doing safety and an accident happened because again guns are dangerous and you need good training to work with them so I mentioned that one but for most of those. I wouldn't look into why they're considered cursed films. And I would also recommend you watch them in order because it's it's a good arc, but they're really depressing. And the Twilight Zone one, oh, it's it's fucked. Damn. Yeah. That season gets progressively more depressing as you go on. But okay. uh that's my recommendation there. It's on Shudder. You have Shudder. Shout out Shudder. Shout out Shudder, please sponsor us. For the love of God. You need a way to pay for this shit. <sighs> Okay. Anyways, on that note, though, I guess we're finally going to go to the movie. Yeah. We'll see you guys in a minute. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching The Omen. Spooky Spooky. Omen. Do you like it? Yeah. I, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. More than you thought you'd like it? Or less. Yeah, more than I thought I would. I was worried it was going to be one of those films that, like, you know, there are those movies where everyone goes, oh, it's such a good movie, but it's like a slow, like, kind of nothing film. Do you have an example? God, not off the top <laughs> You of my go, head. yeah, you know those movies. No, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? People, Where people go, oh, it's such a good movie, but it's like nothing really happens and it's kind of just like a slow slog. Ah, like The Exorcist. No, that movie's good. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Not you know, but you know you know what I'm getting at, damn it. Yeah, I know. I I'm surprised you thought that though, knowing how much you like The Exorcist and like the fact that these films are usually mentioned in the same breath. Yeah, you understand what I mean. So it's weird that you thought you might not enjoy it. I was I, worried that that might happen. Fair enough. I I get being worried, but I pretty much knew you'd like it. With that being said, I I guess you know usual stick. We'll do a quick description, then we'll get into actually talking about the film. I don't think we'll have a spoiler section. I don't think there's a need for one. Because I don't think there's a need for one. This movie's pretty... It's not by the books. Really at all. But it is... It um, is straightforward, though. It is straightforward. There's no real, like, surprise twist that would need a spoiler section. Uh, With that being said, you know, spoilers going forward. So if you haven't seen the movie, if you don't know anything about the movie... If you know nothing, go watch it right fucking now. Yeah, because I don't think we really mentioned anything in our intro... Uh, but this is a very well-known movie, and it establishes a lot of tropes for the genre it is. Yeah. In. So, 
right off the bat, my description alone is probably going to spoil some stuff. So if you don't know anything and you want to go in blind, I'd highly recommend it. It's going to be a really fun experience. But that being said, brief description. Uh, the movie opens, and this man is talking about how his child has passed away. He's like, it took a breath, and then it died. So basically, his wife just gave birth to uh, their first son, and the, the son died during childbirth. And he's assumedly Catholic, because he goes to a Catholic church to, like, talk to the father. It's, well, like, it's, a, it's a Catholic hospital. It's uh, like... Yeah, it's... No, because he leaves. Well, that priest is... That priest... I know that's a Catholic priest, but he's in a car driving away from the hospital. So he goes somewhere else. But that priest works at that hospital. I don't know, Bob. I don't know what to tell you here. Anyways, he's talking to a Catholic priest, and the priest is like, all right, I'm going to help you out. Because the dude's like, if my wife finds out the baby's dead, it will kill her. She'll, like, die from grief. And so the Catholic priest uh, finds a baby who has been orphaned. The mother has died, assumedly in childbirth. And they swap the babies. So the dead baby goes to the dead mom. And the live baby goes to the live mom. And then uh, five years pass. And that's really when the the brunt of the movie happens is five years after this cold open. Where the child, now five years old, his name's Damien. uh, He's living his best life. And his dad is now ambassador for America to England. Mm -hmm. And things are going pretty swell. In fact... Uh, the ambassador seems to be pretty well liked. And then all of a sudden, strange occurrences start to happen. Yeah. That's kind of the rough description. So we are going to start talking about the film now. So I'm about to spoil a bunch of stuff in like 30 seconds. So if you don't want spoilers, sorry. Big thing for this movie. If you don't know already, you probably should. This is an Antichrist movie. Yeah, I think we mentioned that in the open. We might have. I don't know. But... uh. Yeah, it's an Antichrist movie, and if you couldn't tell, Damien, the the kid, the adopted child, is the Antichrist. It's pretty obvious if you know the tropes of that style of storytelling Yeah, nowadays, because they're all basically based on the omen. But yeah, Damien's the Antichrist, and it's heavily implied that all the strange happenstances are happening because of him, mm-hmm. and because of his satanic powers i guess although they are very non-explicit yeah usually especially in the beginning yeah well i mean even then it's most of the powers are basically damien gives a a cheeky grin and then bad things happen yeah with that being said i i do want to mention right right off the bat that the reason that the powers are a little more ephemeral is because i believe in the original drafts of the script there was kind of a back and forth on whether or not Damien would actually be the Antichrist. Mm. I mean, it, it's pretty much confirmed in the yeah. movie that he is. I, I don't think there's any question about it. But from what I could find very, very early on in the script, it was it was a story of there's signs that this kid is the Antichrist, but it could all just be a coincidence. See, like, I like that, though. I think it works really well. How it is now? Yeah. I mean, I, I do, too. But I just, also, like... I still get that vibe from the beginning of the film. A you lot. do, and I think that makes this film stronger as a whole. Yeah, but I I did just want to point out that's probably why it's not as explicit. With that being said, though, is there anything particular you want to talk about? Continuing on the point of like the 
the beginning of the film being really vague about whether or not Damien is actually causing these bad things to happen, making this film stronger. I think the reason it makes this film so strong is because throughout the whole film, you're kind of dealing with this thing where Robert, his dad, is battling with these crazy things happening and people telling him, like, your son. At one point, basically, someone goes, your son is the Antichrist. You're going to have to kill him. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Very early on. Too. Very early on. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. And that sort of, these things being happenstance makes his point of being like, I'm not going to kill my son. You're stupid. You're a crazy person. Makes it feel stronger. It makes it make more sense when he goes, no. Because if it was a explicit, like, ah, Damien is killing people with satanic powers, I would go, well, why aren't you killing this kid? Yeah, I mean, it's the classic, they convince the characters of the situation as they convince the audience, you know? It's just, it's really, really well paced out. And by the time you get to the full flip of, like, Robert being like, you know what? I'm going to kill this kid. It's already, like, way too late. Things have gotten completely out of hand, and it's awesome. And I love it. Yeah. Now, I, I think on the matter of, you know, Damien's using his powers to kill people, I, I think we can do a brief discussion of some of these, shall we say, powers. Yeah. Straight off the bat, uh, there's a motif with black dogs. Yeah. Not the first time we've seen black dogs on this show. No, we talked about it on uh, Final Prayer. Yep, uh, the Borderlands, where actually same thing. It was a Rottweiler in that movie, mm-hmm. and it's Rottweilers in this one. And essentially, I think they're just supposed to be hellhounds. Yeah, but Damien, I don't know if he's necessarily controlling them, but there's they're protecting protecting him, him and doing somewhat of his bidding. So uh, those are a constant motif throughout the film. And then the other thing that's, like, quote-unquote his powers is just, like, happenstance going in his favor. Mm -hmm. Like, in one scene, a metal pole falls and impales someone, which is ludicrous, super rad. Uh, There's a Rube Goldberg-style accident Mm -hmm. involving a decapitation that is absolutely beautiful. I also feel like he just has, like, influence over people that he doesn't, like, not that he doesn't understand, but, like, that is... Uh, magical in some way. I mean, yeah, there's very specifically one kill in the very, very beginning of this film that is probably the most magical. Oh, yeah. Because it's so... That was mind control. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely, like, this kid has powers he doesn't, like... Not that he doesn't understand, but, like, that he... That it just kind of happened. Yeah. Because he is who he is, the Antichrist. With that being said, it, it's very classic, like, Antichrist genre-style mm-hmm. kills. Because, again... This movie definitely inspired all that stuff. So if you've seen any type of, like, other Antichrist... I'm so glad we started with this one in terms of films show, like this. You, you, you know what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I think the next thing to really mention along with this is the soundtrack. Man. Not necessarily in general, but one of the things I want to mention. And again, another trope of any reference to Antichrist is that there is a leitmotif for Damien doing demonic bullshit. It's very specifically a Latin choir chanting. Yeah. And it's it's really rad. And again, it goes hand-in-hand with the fact that this movie's sound design is is really, really good. It's really, really good. I mean, you can tell it got, what, an Oscar? Yeah. Win and a nomination. Totally deserved it. It's like one of the strongest parts of this film. It's Uh, super good at, like, setting the tone getting you in the right headspace for what you're about to see. It's very, 
the mu- music is very foretelling and like sets you up to ex- know what you're gonna experience before you experience it. Yeah, if that makes sense. I mean, well, that's what a good soundtrack's supposed to do. I know, but this movie does an excellent job at that because yeah, it's a hundred percent. With that being said, well, I think a lot of this film is kind of by the books for you know most people nowadays. I think the real big thing that stands out to me because it's not necessarily something I think you expect the first time you watch this movie is how much of a mystery it feels like. Yeah. Well, the first, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of this film are trying to convince us as an audience as well as, like, Robert that something supernatural and evil's going on. Because, you know, the first 30 minutes are establishing the family and how they're, like, per- like picturesque and then starting to show some weird stuff happening. The back end of this movie is legitimately, like, a mystery investigation film. As Robert and his new best bud, Keith. I fucking love Keith. The reporter. Are trying to figure out Damien's like exact origins. Like where he comes from and stuff. And to be honest, I think that's the most interesting part of this movie. No, it's the best part. I think that's not only because, you know, I'm used to like demonic child nowadays from other films. But also because there's just a lot of cool investigation work. Like Mm -hmm. there's... The classic, all right, let's travel to Rome, and then let's travel to Jerusalem, and then back again. But also there's some cool mo- like motifs and locations. Uh, they talk to priests, and they do some religious investigation work. I don't know. I-, I thought the investigative aspects of this film were really strong. No, I. that's, once again, it plays into the setup of, is this really, is this kid really the Antichrist? And... While as the, the audience, you know... Or you very much think so. Or you very much think so. They do a very good job of giving the characters clues as you go along. That even if you weren't buying it, you were unconvinced. You're convinced by the end of it? I mean, yeah, they don't actually like fully confirm as far as the film goes until the last, like what, five, ten minutes? Yeah. And it's just this slow, unraveling, unpacking. And you get to watch this very, very good descent of... I don't know if descent's the right word, but, like, progression of Robert realizing he has to do, like, what he has to do and not wanting to do it because that is a kid that he has raised from basically birth. And you can see the emotional turmoil throughout as he doubles back and forth. Awesome. Uh, With that being said, though, I mean, that's kind of all the points I have to make about this film. Because it's one of those, again, very frustrating films to talk about, at least for us, where it's, I think it's a very good film. Yeah. Like, overall, I, I do very much like this movie. But it's one of those films that's so important mm-hmm. to the very specific subgenre it belongs to as a whole that it's kind of just been done. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen other films in the same general, like, movie sphere, you kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah, like, I've seen a bunch of stuff that's, like, omen, I don't know, not necessarily spinoffs, but, like, rip Omen-esque? yeah. Where it's basically they've taken the formula of The Omen and made it their own thing, both in TV shows and even other movies. Yeah. Just because, again, this really does build up the whole Antichrist genre of films. And it leaves me in this weird headspace where I'm like, I've I've seen a lot of this before. Yeah. And I I do think that's going to be an issue with a lot of people watching this film. See, what's dope is I've never seen any of those movies, and this was my first one. That's fair, but I'm not even thinking movies. I'm thinking any TV show where there's Just been general, an yeah. Antichrist. You get a lot of the vibes. And I, I do think that's an issue with watching this film because I think you can have a lot of fun with it still. And I had a lot of fun with this film. 
Uh, especially because I think the last time I saw it was when I was a child. Which is crazy to me. But even then I was like, oh, I've seen this very recently. <laughs> uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say, is there anything you wanted to talk about? Yeah, we kind particular? of graced over the kills earlier. I haven't seen any other movies like this. But in, let's say, The Exorcist, which is in a similar vein, there aren't, like, the kills aren't brutal. Or, like, I guess th- what The I'm kills at- in The Exorcist aren't graphic or explicit at all. The kills in this are, like, actually so good. I was not expecting them to be good. They're creative. They're cool. They work with the whole, is he the Antichrist or is this happenstance thing? I just, I'm a huge fan of the way people die in this movie. Yeah, the, the kills in this film are really, really good. And I think it's partially because, overall, I think there's only, what, like, three four? or four in this whole movie? Four. I think we only visibly see three of them. Yeah. And that means we spend, what, an hour and 50 minutes building up to three separate kills? Yeah. So they have a lot of weight. And more importantly than having a lot of weight, while none of the kills are necessarily super graphic, they're all very explicit. Yeah. Like, we get to see them. They all feel like they have a lot of weight to them. And, like, energy, especially with the musical score. So you just got, like, a lot of oomph. They got, they're really poignant. They're really, like, there's just, there's so much behind them that, yeah, there are only three, but they're all fucking worth it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. They also feel very artsy. It's very anti-slasher. Yeah. (laughs) Where it doesn't matter that there's only three of them. (laughs) They're all worth it. Yeah. One of the kills in this movie is worth more than all the kills in name Friday the 13th movie here. Pretty uh, much. Eight. Uh, eight. You're looking for number eight. That's what you're looking for there, bud. <laughs> I think I'm looking for most numbers, but yes. Eight specifically. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Manhattan? Yeah. That's why I mentioned it. That one sucks. Bad movie. Bad movie. Something else we haven't talked about. There's cool other cool animal stuff in here besides the dogs. While the dog stuff is great. Don't get me wrong. I love the dogs in this movie. I think they're so cool. I enjoy seeing them, like, attack people and be around. Oh, they had some great dog training. Yeah. Not only because they had a bunch of dogs working together. Yeah. But they had to train these dogs, uh, the Rottweilers, to act like guard dogs, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Rottweilers have some, like, guarding instinct, but having them act that way on command can be pretty challenging. So that was very impressive. But they had a couple dog attack scenes Mm -hmm. which were really cool because they had to work with like real dogs fake attacking someone and then a couple dog puppets worked in there too for some of the mauling yeah which looked really good there's also a really awesome scene with baboons yes i don't know like i wasn't expecting it was not something i was like really anticipating fantastic scene my i don't want to say it's my favorite scene in the entire movie but it is so cool it's just kind of wild because you get to watch a bunch of baboons go Go ape absolutely shit. ape. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking awesome. I just wanted to mention that because I, I wasn't expecting all the animal stuff. Like, it was really cool, actually. No, those, those baboons harness the crusader energy. <laughs> Pulled a deus volt <laughs> on that Volkswagen. Yeah. Oh, there's some cool lightning effects. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking specifically, I think it is a painted laser array that they used to, like, do some lightning stuff later early in the film that I, it was top. Trying to think if there's anything else. There's very minimal like special effects makeup, but what we do get to see is good. Yeah, there's almost like none. Yeah. There's one scene I can think of that's like, oh, that's special effects makeup. Oh, I'm thinking specifically about 
the priest in the church that they go to. Yeah, that's that's the one I can think of. Yeah, and it it looks good. It's good. It it's passable. Necessarily look real, but no, it does look. But I'm gonna be horrific. You know, horrific is the what you're looking for there. Yeah. So you know that's kind of it works. There's cool cinematography stuff that we haven't talked about. Yeah, we haven't mentioned that. Uh, there's a couple cool camera tricks. Yeah. Uh, they do a couple very interesting camera spins. Mm-hmm. Like uh, full 360 camera spins. Which was very weird, and they happen rather rapidly, so it's hard to mm-hmm. keep track of the exact way they did it, whether they were pivoting the camera on an axis or just turning it mm-hmm. like 360. But it does create some really cool effects. I think the camera effect, though, that stood out the most to me I don't know necessarily if it was entirely intentional or if it was just like, oh, happy little accident, <laughs> is that there's a lot of shots where there will be light or some reflection of light that looks like a cross. Looks like a cross, yeah. There's tons of that in this movie. And again, I mean, it obviously makes sense, cross imagery. In a I mean, yeah, there's tons of like Christian imagery throughout Catholic this entire movie. Yeah, loads. But there's, you know, just a couple scenes here at throughout where you don't expect that to happen mm-hmm. and then it does and it's like whoa like there's a really awesome scene near the end of the film where one of the dogs is in like a basement and there's a light all back in the far top of the screen it looks giving off like a light cross shape yeah or the time. one i was going to mention is there's one scene where we get a close-up on someone's eyes and you can see mm-hmm. the light reflecting off their eyes in a cross shape lots of stuff like that pretty yeah pretty cool i i just really like the uh camera spin specifically because it plays with the whole like you know the symbol of the, the devil down is, cross. is the upside down cross. So maybe it spin when it's looking at Damien or something is like implicitly, you know, trying telling to us, telling us Antichrist. Super dope. Something else we haven't talked about. This is the la- I think this might be the last thing. There are tons of cool settings in this movie. Like they go to a bunch of different places. They're in a bunch of different locations, like churches or like the ambassador's house or just like random cafes <laughs> and other bullshit. But there's one specific really dope place they go. And it is probably one of my favorite places in the entire fucking movie. Because it's so stylized and cool. At one point, they go to... We said it earlier, but Robert gets told by a priest that his son is the Antichrist. And he has to kill him. They eventually go to the priest's room. And it is so fucking cool. It is one of the coolest places I've seen. It basically kind of looks like a dungeon room. But the walls are covered in Bible pages, and yeah. there are crosses everywhere. I think they say, what, 47? 47 crosses, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's not an uncommon imagery in religious movies. Oh, but it's so cool. The idea of covering like the wall in Bible pages. In fact, do they do that in, uh, what's that movie, the zombie movie with, uh, it was found footage. Wreck? Yeah. Do they do that Up in, in the attic. Oh! Oh, my God. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's a common thing now. I'm not sure how common that imagery was when this movie came out. But you do see it in movies every once in a while when you have, like, a religious figure trying to, like, ward a room. Yeah. I just thought I just thought it looked really cool. It was a really cool, like... But they, they do a good job with it. Yeah. Because you can tell they actually covered every single inch of this room. Yeah. Including the windows with pages. And the only place that, like doesn't have wind pages is like they're like pulled back and it's just like is a straight window shot to the church and it's specifically designed that way so it makes sense yeah it's super cool i 
I just there was something about looking like being in seeing that room for the first time that I lost my mind during the movie. I was like, this is the coolest fucking thing I've seen. It's so cool. Ah, I think I'm done. I okay, think I'm, I think I'm done talking about this movie. All right. Well then, uh, on that note, I guess we can go to recommendations. Yeah. If you want to start, Bob. You want an Antichrist movie, and you haven't seen an Antichrist movie. This is it. This is it. I mean, straight up, this is it. If you, if you have seen Antichrist movies, there's two that stand out. This mm. one. Do you know what the other one is? Rosemary's Baby. Yep. You should watch those. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, that's my biggest recommendation, I think. I mean, I could also go for Catholic movies, I guess, but the Catholicism is sort of lighter here. It's a background element. It's a background element, because, like, it's not... It is explicitly Catholicism, because they're talking to priests and nuns who are Catholic Catholic. priests and nuns. Yeah. If you want a movie about family, (laughs) a family movie, because that is kind of what this movie is centered on, is, like... This man, his son, his adopted son, and his wife. A horror movie about and family. And Keith. Well, Keith is there. I like Keith. <laughs> Uncle Keith. <laughs> Keith is such... He's so good. He shows up to birthday parties, to Robert's work. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I don't know if I have any more recommendations. All right. Well, um, I think I have basically the exact same ones. If you want an Antichrist movie, this and Rosemary's Baby are probably like the defining films of that very tiny subgenre. They build the basis for a lot of the tropes we associate with those movies or those TV shows or whatever. Uh, so if you haven't seen anything like that or you have and you want to know where it came from, go watch this movie. Then go watch Rosemary's Baby. That one's also really good. I know we haven't reviewed it yet, but definitely worth a watch. Uh, next one is if you want a Catholic movie. Again, the Catholicism is background. It's more of a Christian movie, but it... it does feel distinctly Catholic. Not as much as The Exorcist, but, you know, it is there. Uh, however, I think my biggest recommendation is if you just want to see, like, a horror film that feels both British and American in a very international mm, way. That's a good point. This film's really good for that. I mean, they go to Rome. They go to England. There's a brief scene in America. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene in Jerusalem. And... Well, you don't necessarily see a lot of the country where these scenes are set. Everything is set up in such a way that you do feel like you're traveling around. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does give you a nice little snapshot of what is it? The early mid seventies, mid seventies England. The police. Yeah. There's a whole scene with the police. The Bobby. The Bobby. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Oh, and if you just want to see a movie with some uh, foreknowledge, like people being foretold of their death. <laughs> through photographs i know i don't think we've mentioned that yet no we didn't mention that angle that's kind of rad there's some cool photography stuff in this film there is yeah there's some cool photography not cinematography stuff. stuff like literal photography literal stuff. film stuff yeah that being said give it a rating okay look maybe maybe i'm being a little willy-nilly this season slinging around numbers zero but <laughs> I know I gave Suspiria a five last week. I don't think you should have given it a five. That's your opinion. And it's you're a, entitled to your opinion. It's a good opinion. You can be wrong. I want you, you know. to watch that movie again on a later season and be like, yeah. <laughs> no, I. there's something about that movie that hits me, okay? Yeah, it looks pretty. This movie, I'm giving it a five. This movie's fantastic. This is everything I wanted from a movie like this. Like, it... 
it hits everything I want from an Antichrist film, and I don't know if I have any real issues with it. Like, I can't come up with something and go, I didn't like this thing. I'm I'm so satisfied with the way this film turned out. It It's perfectly paced in the best way possible. It does a really good job with the whole, is the Antichrist, is he not thing until the very end where you get the flip. The yeah. very end of this movie is fantastic. I think the only reason we know he's the Antichrist in the beginning is from cultural references. Yes, th- I knew what this movie was before going in. That was it. Like, that's the reason. I was like, oh, okay, Antichrist movie. I mean, I think if you didn't know that, it, you would honestly be kind of flip floppy. Yeah, for real. Like, it... So good. All the acting is really good. I think Keith and Keith, <laughs> David Warren, who plays Keith, and the guy that plays Robert do a really good job. Oh my God, Bob thought. No, shut up, Bob. Thought. Shut up. No, stop, Ben. You <laughs> can't thought. slander me in the middle of my fucking rating. Robert, can I finish my statements? David Warner the whole time, and this doesn't sound very funny to you as the audience, probably, but you have to understand that this information was revealed to me. As I was talking about how Keith, you know, <laughs> David Warner's character looks a lot like how David Warner looks when he's older. Like Which you're not wrong. The Ice Cream Man. He has the exact same face. Like his face did not change over the next 30 years. Yeah, he just lost his hair. And Bob was talking to me and he was like, yeah, they look identical. He was like, yeah, Robert. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I'm, I'm a bit stupid sometimes. The music's really awesome. The cinematography's really good. I love all the stuff with the animals. We haven't talked about it. The kid that plays Damien doesn't have a lot of lines, but that's an evil little kid. That little bastard is evil. He doesn't do a lot of acting. He doesn't do a lot of acting, but it's like the slight stuff that he does that's really, really, like, it I've, hits home I think he's me. just one of those people who has a good face for camera. Like, he's just, it, everything he does feels subtle and sly. He's just shot well. Like I he, mean, honestly. Like, he knows what's up, and you don't. Like, like it just feels good. I, I, I just like it. I think that's more the director than him, though. No offense to this actor, yeah, but, like... Maybe. He does a good job, but it feels like a lot of just camera angle framing. No, yeah. And all the kills hit, and that was surprising. This movie's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, same boat as Bob. I'm giving it a five. It really comes down to the fact that, just like Frankenstein... Uh, what was that? Two weeks Two ago? Two weeks ago? Yeah, I think so. Uh, same kind of boat I was in there where it's like this film, it's a lot of stuff you've seen before if you're familiar with like Antichrist tropes. But there's a reason for that, and that's because this film kind of made them. And the reason it did so is because this film is really, really well done. Everything from, I think, the story beats to the acting to the score to the cinematography is just really, really well done. And I think very, very entertaining. And there really isn't anything I can point to as being an issue, even if I'm like, wow, that wasn't surprising. I'm like, no, that was the natural conclusion to this horrific chain of events. So, yeah, I I think overall it was really, really good. Yeah, like even trying to be really, really nitpicky, I'm just struggling to come up with something to hate on. It's very hard, yeah. Because it all just, it it pans out exactly how, it just, it's perfect. It's not perfect. You it's know not what I mean? perfect, but, but it, like it pans out exactly how you want it to, and it it just it works. Uh, with that being said, as always, let's go to the outtakes. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. 
I hope you're enjoying our view of The Omen so far. I like this movie. I think it's super fantastic. But without further ado, let's get in to the outtakes. This first clip is our reaction to the very first death in this movie. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, holy shit. Surprise. Happy birthday, Damien. What the hell? This next clip is our reaction to the scene with the baboons. Oh my god! Is this real? This has to be real. Part of it, yeah. <laughs> I like the monkeys are like, we're doing the Lord's work. Kill the demon. Yeah. That's all... This is so cool! That was a cool monkey scene. Best monkey scene we've seen in a film. Good monkeys. Good monkeys. Hi everybody, welcome back. We just... Fuck. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Ben had me laughing right before we started recording this, and I, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't keep it together. Do we have any announcements, Ben? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So, um, usual stick. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube, which, while not the most convenient place to watch, you know, audio content, does have some nice tools. There's a search button, which lets you search specific keywords in all our titles which makes it really easy to see if we've reviewed a, mu a movie you want to watch. Uh, there's also a handy-dandy bell button, which can notify you whenever we post like new stuff. Uh, but the big thing with YouTube is there's uh, subscriptions and likes, which shows us some support. That's really nice because, to be honest with you, that's kind of how we know engagement. But big thing with YouTube is it's one of the two places you can communicate with us at. You can do that in the comment section of a specific episode that you want to talk to us about. Or you can go over to Twitter, at BewareTheBoard, and uh, leave Bob a sign. Ooh, good one. Before I talk about Twitter, there's something I want to bring up. If you noticed on – this is I'm announcing this now because this is the first time we've recorded since this happened. Uh, if Frankenstein looks weird, or if you notice that our YouTube videos are – look different or are coming out later coming out later or changing away they recently enabled a thing where i don't have to manually upload and create the videos for youtube anymore it automatically does it through our rss feed so while i work out the kinks in that and get everything set up to where it'll be pretty stable things will be a little different for a minute but eventually they'll go back to normal i promise so don't be worried about it like ben said check us out on twitter at beware the board it's where i post updates about the show information about the show basically if there's anything you know about the show it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal, so you can watch the movie before we do, so we release the episode, you don't get any spoilers, and we're being vague about stuff, you kind of know what we're talking about. Then, on Fridays, or whatever day the episode goes live, I always post a link to the episode on our Twitter, so if you ever missed an upload or want to know when something went up, there's always a link there. Last thing, we do short-form content on TikTok and YouTube Shorts, Apple Where the Board, so if you're into short content and like the show, check us out there. Apple Wear the Board on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts. Benjamin, I think that's it.
All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. See you guys next time.